MIDI Innovation Vault, the role of human factors in user interface design for medical devices. In this release of MIDI's Innovation Vault podcast series, listen to MIDI's principal, Gregory Montalbano, discuss and explore his deep understanding of the importance, requirements, and methods of human factors engineering and usability research as related to the healthcare device industry. Series Podcast 3, Human Factors Regulatory and Guidance Standards for U.S. Submission, Organization-Specific Device Types and Standards. We're talking with Gregory Montalbano. He is the co-owner of MIDI Medical Product Development. MIDI is an award-winning turnkey product development consulting firm with over 45 years' experience servicing domestic and international clientele representing medical, life sciences, and home health care markets. Greg, thanks for joining the podcast today. How you doing? I'm very well, Matt. Awesome, awesome. Thank you again for uh, taking some time with us today for this series' third podcast covering the role of human factors and user interface design for medical devices. Now, in the previous podcast, you gave an overview and introduced us to the reasons and benefits of regulatory requirements as related to the disciplines of human factors engineering and usability research. Greg, can you give listeners a brief overview of today's subject matter as related to human factors engineering and medical device development? Sure, Matt. In today's podcast series, I will dive into the details as related to human factors, regulatory standards, and guidance document for U.S. submission. So I will specifically cover topics as related to the various organizations and regulatory bodies, as well as standards and guidance documents to utilize for proper usability research and human factors engineering processes during medical device design, covering aspects of what organizations have issued U.S. regulatory and guidance documents for human factors as related to medical device development or We'll also talk about uh, U.S. standards and guidelines that specifically apply to certain medical device types. And lastly, we'll discuss organizations and their issued international regulatory standards of human factors for medical devices, of which are recognized by the FDA and the AAMI, which is the Association for Advancements of Medical Instrumentation. That sounds great. Let's get started. Sure, Matt. But Let me give a little regulatory history overview. The FDA is the oldest comprehensive protection agency in the United States. And as we all know, their role of protection goes well beyond medical devices. I'll give a brief high-level overview of regulatory chronology and milestones in the history of the United States medical device legislation leading up to the application of human factors in the healthcare industry during the mid-90s. So... If you go back to 1960s and 70s, Congress responded to the public's desire for more oversight of medical devices by passing the medical device amendments of the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. Now, moving towards the 80s in 1982, the organizational units of the FDA that regulate medical devices and radiation emission products merged to form the Center for Devices and Radiological Health, which is a CDRH. Then in the 1990s, the Senate and the House of Representatives in Congress passed the Safe Medical Devices Act, which really got the ball rolling. So this act improved post-market surveillance of medical devices by requiring users' facilities, such as hospitals or nursing homes, to report adverse events involving medical devices. 
This also gave the FDA authorization to require manufacturers to perform post-market surveillance on permanently implanted devices and additionally authorized the FDA to issue device recalls and impose civil penalties for violations. It defined substantial equivalence, which is the standard for marketing a device through the FDA's 510K program. And lastly, it modified procedures for the establishment, amendment, or revocation of a device's performance standards. That's an amazing chronological history review, but I do have one question. What's that, Matt? When did the application of human factors engineering as we know it today begin? with regards to its regulatory and guidance application and process? Well, that's, that's a good question. So applications of HFE principles to the domain of healthcare are relatively new. So although some references to human factors in healthcare date back to the 80s and early 90s, it was the work of James Reason in 1995 that contributed to the increasing the scope of HFE practices to healthcare devices and systems. So Professor Reason studied and published many books and papers on the subject of human factors centric principles of error management. And his work also outlined the importance of considering both team and organizational factors in the design of safety critical systems as well as avoiding a culture of blaming the users, but instead embracing a culture of understanding the root causes of adverse events. So this provided the catalyst for effective use of human factors method within the healthcare domain. Subsequently, as a result, Professor Reasons and his colleagues defined principles. Human factors professionals then embraced healthcare as a domain of study, and therefore many regulations, standards, and guidelines were developed. So such prominent sources include the American National Standards Institute, also known as ANSI, and the Association for the Advancements of Medical Instrumentation, also known as AAMI, and their generation of HE 75 standards on medical device design, or for example, the FDA's human factors guidance, as well as IEC regulations regarding usability. So all of these standards and regulations have been generated and revised in recent years. And the discipline of usability research and human factors engineering has ultimately made significant progress towards addressing safety problems in healthcare. Okay. Now, I see there's quite a history and evolution with regards to medical device regulation, standard, and guidance leading up to present day. So, Greg, can you tell myself and the listeners, what are the specific U.S. organizations, regulations, standards, and guidance documents that apply to human factors engineering for medical devices? Yes, as we discussed, domestic and international human factors standards and guidance applications are required in order to obtain a successful FDA submission for new medical devices, as well as devices with modifications to the user interface. So there are different regulatory requirements that exist in the United States as compared to other regions of the world, for example, Europe. And a well thought out and vetted human factors development team strategy is necessary to determine the proper approach to be used to meet these standards. But as we discussed, let's 
let's really focus in on which standards are applicable to U.S. submissions. So determining which standards are applicable to a U.S. medical device submission can be more manageable for manufacturers and development teams if they follow these three steps. Step one is begin your search for general U.S. human factor standards and FDA-recognized guidance documents that apply to all medical device and products. Step two is to search for any specific U.S. human factor standards and FDA-recognized guidance documents that applies to your particular type of device, whether it's for home use or an infusion pump or other. And step three, you need to search for FDA-recognized international standards that apply to your device. It's up to manufacturers and development teams to identify which standards and guidance are recognized by the FDA and applicable to their specific product. So, Greg, can you tell the listeners what are the prominent regulatory and standards organizations they should focus on with regards to human factors for medical devices? Sure, Matt. The prominent regulatory and standards agency include the AMI, which stands for the Association for the Advancement of Medical Instrumentation. So the AMI is a nonprofit organization founded in 1967, and it's a primary source of consensus standards, both national and international, for the medical device industry, as well as a practical information and guidance for healthcare and technology professionals. And then there's the FDA, and the FDA is the nation's oldest comprehensive consumer protection agency. So the FDA regulates many things, as we know, including medical devices sold in the United States to assure their safety and effectiveness. Focusing in within the FDA, there's the Center for Device and Radiological Health, also known as CDRH. And they are basically the FDA's center responsible for overseeing the medical device programs. And depending on the device classification, along with other factors, federal regulations, such as the Code of Federal Regulations, Title 21, it defines requirements that must be fulfilled for the CDRH to approve and clear devices sold in the United States. And then there's other organizations such as ISO, which stands for the International Organization for Standardization, and they are an independent, non-governmental, global network organization that supplies relevant standards covering many market segments, including healthcare. Their standards for medical device industry include such examples as quality management system standards like 1345, as related to human factors, the ISO 14971 covers application of risk management standards for medical devices, and there are also many other ISO standards to consider. Another prominent organization is IEC, the International Electrotechnical Commission. So the IEC is an international standardization organization that works closely with ISO. And the IEC brings together more than 170 countries and close to 20,000 experts to their global platform to ensure products are safe and effective. So, Greg, can you outline what U.S. general standards and guidance that apply to human factors engineering for the safe and effective development of a medical device that meets these regulatory group standards? Yeah, the list of general U.S. human factors 
medical device standards and guidance documents are not as exhaustive as one would think. So the prominent documents relative to user device usability research and human factors engineering include uh, going on the first one, the FDA's CDRH's final guidance document, which is titled Applying Human Factors in Usability Engineering to Medical Devices. And this was issued uh, in 2016. So with this document, the FDA has developed this guidance to assist the industry in following appropriate human factors and usability engineering process to maximize the likelihood that new medical devices will be safe and effective for the intended users, uses, and use environments. So the recommendations in this guidance document are intended to support the manufacturers in improving the design of devices to minimize the potential use errors and resulting harm. The FDA believes that these recommendations will enable manufacturers to assess and reduce risk associated with medical device use. So this guidance applies to all medical devices applying for FDA submission. The next document is the ANSI AMI HE75 document. This is titled Human Factors Engineering and Design of Medical Devices. So the HE75 is the FDA's recognized comprehensive industry's best practice standards reference. And this 500-page HE75 document provides the industry detailed human factors engineering principles of design and usability, engineering guidance, management of use error risk, design elements, other examples, checklists, and integrated human factors solutions for the development of medical devices. This document also helps developers identify use of best practices so that they can provide regulators with the evidence that a human factors design process has adopted and can support a device or system's usability and safety while making the development cycle more efficient. So the HE75 standard applies to all medical devices applying for FDA submission. And in MIDI's podcast number four of this series, we'll take a deep dive into the HE75 document, as well as discuss the framework for performing medical device usability studies during various HFE stages of a product development process. So another group is the FDA CDRH, and they have a final guidance document that's titled the Guidance on Medical Device Patient Labeling. And it's a long title. It also goes on saying the final guidance for industry and FDA reviewers. This was published in 2001, and this guidance serves to assist manufacturers in the development of patient labeling and to assist reviewers in the evaluation of medical device patient labeling to help make critical information understandable to the end user. So this guidance applies to all devices with patient labeling, applying for FDA submission with a medical device and any information associated with this device targeted to a patient or caregiver. So, Greg, you stated the documents you just outlined are for general U.S. standards and guidance. Are there any examples of specific U.S. standards or guidance documents as related to medical device human factors that are applicable only to particular device types or products? Sure. Yeah, there are other U.S. standards and guidelines of which are specific to a certain medical device type. 
So for example, medical devices intended for home use or in clinical settings. So also there are specific standards as related to intended use of a device. One example would be a process such as an instrument sterilization or alternatively a device component that performs a special function utilizing software. To determine the more specific human factors related standards that are applicable for a particular medical device, the development team should identify details and user interface aspects of the new product, including the device type, its intended use, and certain device components that may be associated with the human factors guidance. So Matt, I can list some examples of specific US human factors medical device guidance documents applicable only to particular devices or products if you think that would be a value. You know, I, I do. I do think that would be a value. Uh, uh, go ahead. Okay. So I'll cite just a handful of examples where I'll correlate the relevant device type category along with the FDA CDRH or AMI supporting document title and relevance. So the first device type I'll discuss is combination products. So for the listener, combination products are therapeutic and diagnostic products that combine drugs, devices, and or biological products. So the first document in consideration of combination products are the FDA CDER's draft guidance document, which is titled Human Factors Studies and Related Clinical Study Considerations in Combination Product Design and development, which was published in 2016. So this particular guidance document for combination products provides information to the industry on underlying principles of human factor studies during the development of those type of products. So the, the guidance applies specifically to combination medical devices applying for FDA submission. Another combination product document to pay attention to is the FDA CDER's guidance document titled safety considerations for product design to minimize medication errors. And that was published in April of 2016. So this guidance provides the best practices on how to improve drug products and container closure design. Also, this document outlines examples of product designs that have resulted in post-market medication errors. So there are specific U.S. human factors medical device guidance documents applicable to devices for home use, such as the FDA CDRH guidance document titled Design Considerations for Devices Intended for Home Use. So that was updated in November of 2014. And this guidance is intended to assist manufacturers in designing and developing home use medical devices that comply with applicable standards of safety and effectiveness and other regulatory requirements. So this guidance applies specifically, again, to home use medical devices applying for FDA submission. As related to devices used in non-clinical settings, there is the AMI TIR 49 2013 titled, and these titles get a bit long, but hang in there, Design of Training and Instructional Materials for Medical Devices Used in Non-Clinical Environments. So this particular guidance identifies special considerations for devices that are intended to be used in non-clinical settings only, 
although much of the guidance can be generally applied to design and training and instructional materials for clinical devices as well. So in particular, training, instruction material, technology, and terminology should be successfully guided to the user when performing those tasks. As related to reusable devices, there is the FDA CDRH and CBER guidance document titled Reprocessing Medical Devices in Healthcare Settings, Validation Methods and Labeling, published in March of 2015. So this document provides guidance on development and validation of reprocessing instructions for medical devices. And this guidance applies to reusable devices or single-use devices that are initially supplied as non-sterile and require the user to process the device prior to use. And lastly, to give you an example, uh, as related to guidance, there applies to infusion pumps, and there is the FDA CDRH's guidance document titled Infusion Pumps Total Product Lifecycle Guidance for the Industry, which was published uh, in December of 2014. And this guidance identifies device features and use-related considerations that manufacturers should address through the product's lifecycle. So really, this, this applies to HFE and applies to all type of infusion pump applications. Okay, so we covered general U.S. standards and guidance and device-specific U.S. standards and guidance. What about the international human factor standards and guidance documents that are applicable to U.S. medical devices? Yes, Matt, that's a great segue. So moving on, the FDA and AMI have recognized several IEC and ISO international human factor standards to be applied to medical devices. So I'd like to wrap up this podcast with an overview outlining specific FDA or ANSI AMI recognized ISO and IEC international standards for the listeners to pay particular attention to as related to HFE and usability applications when developing their devices. That'd be great. So, all right, let's start with the ANSI AMI IEC standard 62366, specifically the 62366-1-2015 Medical Devices Part 1, Application of Usability Engineering to Medical Devices. So this standard specifies a process for a manufacturer to analyze, specify, develop, and evaluate the usability of a medical device as it relates to safety. So this usability and human factors engineering process permits the manufacturer to assess and mitigate risk associated with the correct use and use errors. So it can be used to identify but does not assess or mitigate risk associated with abnormal use. And again, all of the standards and guidance document I am outlining are FDA and or AMI recognized and are applicable to medical devices. So just continuing on with standards of 62366, I'd like to highlight the IEC 62366-1-2015 Annex C evaluation of a user's interface of unknown provenance. So with this particular document, standard document, the FDA recognizes standard as applicable to legacy. So the Annex C part of the standard was created 
So manufacturers can apply the tool defined in 62366-1 to user interfaces or parts of user interfaces that have already been commercialized prior to the publication of this edition of the standard. So devices that were not developed using the processes of 62366-1 and as a result are of unknown provenance with respects to these processes. So also as related to IEC 62366, there's the 62366-2 2016 Medical Devices Part 2 Guidance on the Application of Usability Engineering to Medical Devices. So this document is a prescriptive technical report which contains background information and provides guidance that addresses specific areas that suggests can be helpful for those implementing a usability engineering and human factors engineering process, both as defined in the IEC 62366-1-2015 and supporting goals other than safety. So also focusing on the FDA recognized 60601-1 standards document, there is the HA 60601-1-11 2015 Medical Electrical Equipment Part 1-11. And then the title, hang in there, it's a long title. It's The title is General Requirements for Basic Safety and Essential Performance, Collateral Standards Requirements for Medical Electrical Equipment and Medical Electrical Systems Used in Home Healthcare Environment. So this prescriptive standard contains collateral requirements for medical electrical equipment and systems used in home healthcare environment. And the FDA recognized standard is applicable to medical devices with electronic components. So continuing on with 60601-1, the FDA recognized standards, I'd like to highlight 60601-16-2010, the collateral standard for usability. So this IEC standard provides a bridge between IEC 60601-1 and the ANSI AAMI IEC 62366. So it specifies a process for a manufacturer to analyze, specify, design, verify, and validate usability as it relates to basic safety and essential performance of medical electrical equipment. So the FDA recognizes standard, it's applicable to medical devices, again, with electrical components. So moving on to other 60601 standards relative to medical devices with alarms, we have the 60601-1-8, edition 2.1, 2012-11. They're, they're not very concise with their titles, uh, but anyway, let me, let me keep going. General Requirements, Tests, and Guidance for Alarm Systems in Medical Electrical Equipment and Medical Electrical Systems. So this prescriptive standard contains design requirements for alarm systems in medical electronic equipment and systems. Moving on, a specific FDA-recognized 60601 standard that is applicable to medical devices with electrical components used in home healthcare environment is also the 60601-1-11-2015 requirements for medical electrical equipment and medical electrical systems used in home healthcare environment. So this standard applies to basic safety and essential performance 
of medical electrical equipment and medical electrical systems for use in the home healthcare environment applies regardless of whether the medical electronic equipment or system is intended for use by a lay operator or by a trained healthcare professional. Moving on to FDA and AMI recognize ISO standard documents that are applicable to medical devices. There is the ISO 14971, Medical Devices Application of Risk Management to Medical Devices. So this standard details the process to identify medical device hazards, estimate and evaluate the associated risk, and monitor the effectiveness of controls. So also moving on to other ISO standards that cover medical devices with symbol labeling, we have one that's titled ISO 15223-1-2016, and it's titled Symbols to be Used with Medical Device Labels, Labeling, and Information to be Supplied, Part 1, General Requirements. So this standard identifies requirements for symbols used in medical device labeling that convey information on the safe and effective use of medical devices, it also lists symbols that satisfy the requirements for this document as well. With regards to an ISO standard that applies to medical devices requiring sterilization procedures, there is the ISO 14937-2009 Sterilization of Healthcare Products General Requirements for Characterization of a Sterilizing Agent and the Development, Validation, and Routine Control of a Sterilization Process for Medical Devices. That's quite a mouthful. So this prescriptive standard supplies general requirements for the characterization of sterilizing agent and for the development, validation, and routine monitoring and control of a sterilization process for medical devices. It applies to sterilization processes in which microorganisms are inactivated by physical and or chemical means and is intended to be applied by manufacturers of sterilization equipment. So the next series of ISO standards that are recognized by the ANSI AMI, uh, the first one's titled ISO 9186-1-2014 Graphic Symbols, Test Methods, Part 1, Method for Testing Comprehensibility. This prescriptive standard specifies a method for testing the comprehensibility of graphical symbols. So it provides a measure of the extent to which a variant of a graphical symbol communicates intended message. So the purpose is to ensure that the graphical symbol and signs using graphical symbols are readily understood. Another ISO standard is recognized by ANSI and AMI relative to HFE for medical devices using software interactions is titled ISO 9241-210. 2010, Ergonomics of Human System Interaction, Part 210, Human Center Design for Interactive Systems. So this prescriptive standard provides requirements and recommendations for human center design principles and activities throughout the life cycle of a computer-based interactive system. So ultimately it's intended to be used by those managing design processes and is concerned with the ways in which both hardware and software components of interactive systems can enhance system interaction. So in the last, I'll outline, and hopefully the listeners are still awake, is the ANSI and AMI recognized ISO standard titled ISO TR 16982-2002, 
which is the ergonomics of human system interaction, usability methods supporting human-centered design. So this standard provides information on human-centered usability methods, which can be used for design and evaluation. It details the advantages, disadvantages, and other factors relevant to using each usability method. Greg, I, I have a quick question. What's that, Matt? Is there going to be a quiz at the end? I mean, I got, I got <laughs> pencils. I got a sharpener. I just want to, I want to check. Yeah, don't worry, Matt. Uh, we're at the end of the third podcast, and there will not be a quiz. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to put the pencils <laughs> down then. Okay. So, and I appreciate the detailed download. So what's, um, what's next for us in this podcast series? Sure. So the fourth installment of Mini's Innovation Vault podcast is going to be titled Recommended Principles and Practices of Human Factors Engineering. And the title is The Deep Dive into ANSI and AMI HE75 Methods for Human Factors Usability Research. So in that podcast, I'll cover the HE75's recommended practice and specific usability research method for effective HFE medical device development implementation. Greg, awesome. 